doing something right now, I'm going to sleep that out. What? Alright, so, we're recording. Oh, whoops. I just want to use it as an intro, I'm like, well, maybe not, we might just sit back now. So, purpose of tonight, gentlemen, it's an informal meeting of the Optimistic Shooters, Team Optimistic Shooters. No, we're short of microphones, so we're kind of you know, uh, leaning cool. into each other. Um, so, yeah, I thought, I thought we'd just catch up with some of this trigonometry story for a bit of a laugh. I think anyone listening needs to be aware we're about one drink down each, so just bear that in mind. Two? Uh, but yeah, so we thought we'd pop our Belgian brew bar to Wednesday night, uh, so there's going to be noise in the background, we are in the middle of the bar. But, yeah, so we headed down to the, well, we'll do intros first, so... Clockwise around the table. I'm Kerry. I'm Bronchi. <laughs> Jeff, sorry. Jeff, choking on my beer. And Matt. Cool. So, um, yeah, so we headed down to Simon Shoot, uh, Girls Practical Rifle Competitions out of Toronto Shoot. Uh, it had been, this is, well, was my third one I'd been to now, but for the other lads, it's first. First, yes, first yeah. And Definitely for the foreigners first. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've booked ages. I think uh, Matt managed to kind of secure himself a ticket at the same Yeah, weaseled in. Weaseled in. Yeah, got in because of cancellations, pretty much. And then Bronte yeah. was the last ring in because he was over from Australia. And uh, I think he started coming down looking at a shoot. Then we were going to organise him to shoot another gun, which is a story for another day. And eventually ended up just sharing my tackle one. So, um, I know we actually said we'd do banter and not our questions, but in the end, I actually oh, did no, do a question too. just for you, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I'll come in. Um, which will be some of them pretty obvious, and some with some of the observations. I mean, I've written some of this up in the AAR as well um, on the site, but uh, yeah, I think I'll put it in a After action report for everyone, as yeah, obtuse as me. I know, yep, yep. sorry. Yeah, acronyms. Um, so. Uh, hopefully it's not too far away, we've already all forgotten, but I thought the first thing was, is, I mean, the guys don't know what field shooting is, and they're reading or watching precision shooter stuff, it's a bit strange anyway, I hope you know by now, but basically field shooting is, is uh, up off the stomach a lot of the time, we were basically shooting around the circumference of a hill, I suppose, how many stages were there in there? 12. 12. 12, 12 stages, each one different. We were all shooting open, all four of us, so the maximum range was 600 metres. Average was... Average would have been about 400-ish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In a round count of 65 possible, but I shot... I went through about 80 rounds, I think. I went through 81. 81, yeah. yeah. I think I probably went through under 70, but my rifle was harder to load. <laughs> Five round magazines for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, you would have been about 80. Yeah, I, I, I used just shy of 100 because I re-shot that stage in the oh, yeah, end, in the end just to yep. see if I could do it better. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think the, the the round count is important. Remember, round count is the absolute minimum you would need if you managed to nail every single target. No one, no one did. It was interesting, even open where, as we were driving back, we figured out open and under were both around 75% uh, hits. Yeah, so my highest score lower. in open yeah. was about 70% hits. Yeah. Highest score in hunter was around 76%. I would have quite liked to have shot, I know it's not feasible on the day, but shot both courses of fire in both different classes. Yeah. Because looking at the other groups, even side by side, their targets were a lot closer and of similar size, but the way Simon had run the stage or the course of fire was quite different. So yeah. it was obviously still quite challenging because yeah. the scores weren't disproportionately higher. Because that's the thing. So for a lot of competitions, again, looking over to overseas to like PRS, when they have a division, they're all pretty much shooting the same course of fire, but they're splitting it by equipment or yeah, everything. Yeah, limitations. Simon makes it even more challenging for himself. And yeah, basically runs two completely separate courses of fire. Yeah. Same targets, same barrel. Oh, well, sorry, different set of targets sometimes as well. So he is almost running two runs of competition side by side, which, yeah, same thing. I'd almost like to shoot the hunters yeah. and shoot the open. So, well, yeah. so, some of them I saw, the uh, the open was much harder yeah. than than, for example, the um, the unsupported one where we had a target at six hundred and 
that they had won at 380 or something. There was one up on the hill, and the other guys, their one was at like 120 and 300. And they yeah. were the same position, same rules. Yeah. But then other ones, like the A-frame, where they had to be off the ground. Yeah. I read their course of fire, I'm like, shit, I'm glad I'm not doing that. That yeah. sounds way harder than what we have to do. And so, there is a photo up, yeah, I saw the photo, Simon was explaining the guy decided to climb up on the aimframe yeah, yeah. to shoot Take off. Take it to which, the nth degree. Which was pretty yeah. impressive. Uh, most yeah. of the guys are just on the bottom with their feet off the ground, but no, no. I'm going to climb up it. So. Yeah. It looked like actually a pretty stable position, to it's be yeah. fair. Yeah. 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 That was the thing. And that, uh, that's one thing I commented on, especially with um, what you said, Bonto, as well, is wedging yourself against that back of that A-frame. You just... Mm. It's quite cool. You can find ways to like, because it was yeah. small, you can find ways to jam yourself yeah. in there. Actually, I had a look at the, the pictures you took on my phone of me climbing in there. Yeah. I realized just how small that A-frame is. Yeah. It was, yeah, pretty tiny. Which is good. It also made you think about what you're doing when you're pulling your barrel out of one, one spot and putting it into the other. Yeah. And trying to climb out of it halfway through. Not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... I mean, we had, you were, you were sharing my Attack A1, Bronte, yeah, so yeah. we uh, took Attack A1, which you put a bit of stuff on the site. You had your uh, Howa 1500, which you just put in your Bravo chassis. Yes. Um, and then you had a, uh, so those are all 6.5s, and yeah. you decided to shoot a... 284. 284. Uh, it was a Howa long action in an MDT chassis with a true flight barrel. Now, that seemed to be kicking a lot of it. Was... Yeah. What was the inspiration to use a 284 in a field shoot? Or was it a, um, as a build you wanted to do? Or? As a build I wanted to do, it's a build I primarily built around F-Class. Okay. So it's got no brake, it's got no uh, suppressor or anything. Um, but it was the most competition-ready gun I had, aside yeah. from my hunting rifle, which is 6.5 Swede. Yeah. Which would have been great if I was shooting Hunter, but I wanted the challenge of shooting yeah. open. So. And you could just see it, especially it was an A-frame thing I noticed where it didn't backed on you a little bit yeah you could just especially no brake no we're, we're running the creeds with either brakes or suppressors or something yeah. it's yeah and also to be fair there was a bit of um my fault not being uh, my lack of experience with the rifle not getting to practice enough not being familiar with the trigger pull um oh. and leaning around off sooner than i'd anticipated yeah um not a complete ad or nd but before I was on target, before I was comfortable getting into my position and letting off around at the end of that second stage. And yeah. yeah. Well, I had a few, I know, even with the two stage on the, the attack A1. I think last time I pulled all six and cleaned it, it's actually lightened up a little bit as well. Yeah. And I'm going to probably make it a, just a touch heavier for me because it was the same thing. A few things were I was in the scope, I was pretty much coming up on target and just waiting for that reticle to come on spot and it broke that. Just that millisecond almost yeah. before you kind of yeah. wanted it to. Mm. I mean, your fingers on your finger is on the trigger, you're ready for it to go. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's like, oh, oh, just a little bit, and then the next one you just, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had that conversation on the way out, didn't we? When yeah. we were walking back out on the hill, and I've had this conversation with people in different aspects, 22s and what have you, that if you're shooting on a bench all the time, I feel like, you know, people are obsessed with getting a light trigger. They want, you know, one ounce triggers, they want, triggers that they can blow on. We shot the Blazer, which had the factory two settings. It had the hunter setting and the target setting. And the target setting, you couldn't touch. You could probably blow on it really hard and set the trigger on. Yeah. And for that sort of style of shooting, without getting off too much of a tangent yeah. from what we're talking about, it's, yeah. it's almost, it, yeah, it's almost, you know, it's not beneficial for you shooting, but it's almost dangerous. Yeah. Because you, you can't be in a position and move your your hand with your finger in the trigger guard because you touch it and it's gone. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're talking about shooting from unstable positions, yeah. you're dead right. And that's where I sort of see the benefit of the two-stage trigger in the field shooting or PRS style. Yeah. It's something that I've moved to in the last 12 months. And find myself able to sort of have a really light first stage so I can get myself seated on the trigger yeah. and then have a little bit heavier second stage. But when I say a little bit heavier, it's still pretty light. I'm thinking yeah. about 10 ounces for my second stage. So it's still a fairly light trigger, but it's, it's something that I'm familiar with and it really sort of eliminates that. Well, you found, Jeff, where you just sort of just touch it and, oh, shit, it's gone. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the thing. And it'd be interesting to know, it's one of those things that probably no one ever would ever admit that they'd actually set one off when they hadn't quite no. intended it to. And again, we're not saying that guys are just, you know, kind of getting somewhere in position and around goes off and they don't know where it's gone. I think it's more just that case in that last final moments is whether it really broke 
exactly when you want it to you get that one or two out of an entire yeah. day I mean it wasn't like every round oh, God, oh, oh, oh that was a surprise well yeah. but there was one or two where it's like no that would have been just a moment more and I would have just just yeah. come that reticle would have just come up onto the target yeah. and you miss um, yeah. so especially I find on the stages where you've either been running or moving and your heart rate's up and you're you, yeah. You're running out of time, and you're going for your fifth run on the target. And you're grabbing the grabbing the rifle, and you're on target, but your pulse is going, your adrenaline's going. You're focusing on target. You're focusing on time. You're focusing on the reticle, yeah. everything else, and you know you should be focusing on your trigger. But in the heat of the moment, you don't so much, and you can be, you know, you float your reticles floating over the target. You put your finger on the trigger, and boom. Yeah, yeah. And you'll miss by, you know, you might miss by 500 or 600, but. You know, a miss is a miss. It doesn't matter if you miss by an inch or a mile. It's a mess. Right. So yeah, that, that was one I, one thing I think, especially where there's this trend of guys wanting the triggers lighter and lighter and lighter. That yeah, it's like many things. You just need to I think think how you're shooting it on it. If you're shooting a prone ventress, whatever, it's all different. Go to, go to town again. If it's still controllable, slam fire everything. You know, I did. A, I lightened up a CTR for a guy recently just to the factory lightness basically I wouldn't do anything more than that just what you can, anybody can really do but even those if you want to go light enough they can get so light that it shouldn't be done so um, yeah I, I, I think guys just need to realise that the lightest lighter is lighter is better but it gets to a point where it can come a detriment especially if you start getting scared of the trigger going off yeah it's also, especially in this sort of a match that involves movement, it comes down to a safety yeah. issue. I know myself, I've got a, a two-stage Calvin Elite in my comp gun, and I can back that thing off to the point that I'll, I can drop the gun vertically, 50 mil, yeah. on the buttstock and it will let go. Yeah. And, you know, that's just not, you know, you fall over, you, you know, you slip moving or something like that. You're presenting a real danger to yourself and all the others around you. That's it. That's it. And that's what I found CTR. I could back it off so far if I slammed the bolt hard. And harder than anybody probably ever would. I even said that to the owner. Yeah. But it did it. And that that is a potential for a drop or something yeah. like else. It's not, again, won't be intentional. You're not going to, anyone runs their bolt that hard on a, on a hard. So, anyway. So, triggers. So uh, the the A frame last for, uh, the A frame stage was the last stage for us, and it was, I, I kind of said it was sort of when I finally got my groove on. That was the one that just went the best for me, or felt the best anyway. That he just got into that zone and things. Yeah. So I think I still missed one, but I made it up. Um, any other favourite stages? Start that way, one man. Uh, despite the fact not doing so great on it, I think we uh, referred to it as the swinger stage was was a good stage mm. I enjoyed that because it was something uh, a little bit different because it really come down to knowing your, your rifle knowing your trigger we basically had a, a smallish target probably what about a hundred and something odd mil maybe, maybe 150 yeah at a, at a, not an overly long distance it was only about 170 meters I think from memory swinger or spinner swinger, swinger. Yep. it was at about 170 I think yeah and it was basically this horribly poorly supported target so as soon as you <laughs> put a bullet in this general proximity it started dancing around yeah. and, and bouncing and it wasn't sort of just moving back and forward it was sort of moving back and forth yeah. it left and right and oscillating and doing yeah. Yeah. it was, had some real funky movement so, so for people trying to envision it's basically a target that's suspended by a strip of rubber that's essentially what was he saying on a carbon it's a, a, like a, a graphic picture a surf casting rod, rod. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's it's not a rod it's a carbon fiber shaft but picture a surf casting rod with a target hang off the end of it yeah yeah so yeah you had it in moves yeah so that was a good stage i enjoyed that one because it was you know, not like the normal one we have a moving target where it's sort of predictable. Every time this thing's moving in a different direction, so you've really got to try to figure out your strategy. Are you going to try to track it or are you going to try to ambush it as it comes across your crosshair? Yeah. And it's, yeah, I enjoyed that one. And which way did you go? Did you track it or ambush it? Ambush it. Yeah, did it work? Yeah. Just waiting for uh, it to come in? I hit it more than once, so yeah. <laughs> it works as well as it's it worked work. as well as anything. <laughs> I, I don't think tracking would have been a viable option no. because the oscillation distances were so short. And it also rotates. On yeah. That one? Uh, yeah, I think we were. We, yeah. were we all got two, I think. Oh, yeah. Two hits out of five. Most stages, I think. Yeah, we were team consistency on a lot of stages, actually. Yeah, but yeah, that is a good one, and that's always funny because I. I remember I think the first time I shot it, I must have been one of the first people ever to shoot that comp. And I suddenly realised I had Simon over my shoulder and quite a group of people watching to see what would happen. And I was shooting the 308 and the same thing had hit and just went flying. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. Some laughter and everything. So, yep. Two shots each. There you go. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Team consistency. Team consistency. Because he also has a smaller scale down version in his 22 shoots, and you think 22 subsonics not going to do much, but he scaled it down to maybe a 50 mil disc yeah. on a really light, almost child's child's fishing rod scale thing, and. Yeah, if like, the wind so blows it, not yeah, yeah, right. yeah, the wind itself without even a hit yeah. will have it swinging two, three hundred mil. And that was yeah. that was one of those stages where the, the you could say that the semi-automatic well, sort of had you an would think so, but you but, shoot so quickly, yeah, you would have been better off to just wait. Yeah, I think yeah. when I shot it, I just managed to shoot the ten twenty two, and I did basically manage to rail on it, and that was a combination. The weather was good, heading it square on, so I didn't really start bombing. Yeah. Um, but that one there, I think we had, what, five rounds and we had 40 seconds or something like that? I, think so, it, I might think it was unlimited, but we were just taking our time trying to hit it. Well, we've just got the stage brief there. <laughs> Let's check. But I'll, I'll... Okay, so one minute prep, 35 seconds to shoot, eight shots only. Eight shots. But okay. uh, six hits max. Yeah, but yeah. We, we just took so long Sorry, to shoot, trying minutes. to wait for it to settle that we only got off three or four rounds. Maybe, yeah. maybe next I'm five pretty sure I got all my rounds off, but <laughs> yeah. I, I missed quickly. Yeah. And yeah. we were talking to someone, we were saying four shots would have been a really good shoot on that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. four shots would have been a cracking score. Because I don't know if there is a secret to it, really, because unless... I can't even see, unless maybe you hit a dead centre, but I reckon if you hit a dead centre anywhere, it was, yeah. was going to move it's still in I think going up, down, left, right, target reaction is every other yeah. axis. Yeah. 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 I don't think, you don't have time to try it. There is no... The pattern on it just seems to be, it's not, it's not random, it'll be mess, but, but it seems to be random enough. Yeah. Can't and where you hit it on the target's going to affect where it yeah. Yeah, I don't think you could shoot that stage twice and have the exact no, same, same target, move. Uh, yeah, target movement. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. So, Jeff, could uh, be the same stage or different stages. Yeah, no, favourite stage. Um, probably a stage that was pretty divisive was the hostage stage. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Not allowed to use the word hostage, it's a no-shoot. It's, it's a no-shoot. No yeah. It was called hostage. Uh, no shoot stage. So essentially, it was um, two, I guess, diamond-shaped no shoots, yep. um, edged or point to point on the innermost points of the diamonds next to each other, and behind those are squares. So essentially, you had a, a small triangle upside down at the top, and a small triangle upside uh, right way up at the bottom to aim at. Tenderizing the stake. It was tenderizing something. <laughs> tenderizing the out of something. Um, and I, I managed to do fairly well on that, and I think mostly, uh, mostly because of my caliber choice. Yeah. Uh, 180 grains going about 100 feet per second faster than most of the 140 grain 6.5s. Yeah. Um, so that really did me some favors there. But it was also a stage that I think perhaps maybe a little bit unfairly advantaged those who did well. So for example, I agree. Another shooter who I know to be a good shooter and who should have beat me. Um, he had a couple of maybe poor win calls and got two no shoots. Yeah. So a score of minus 24, whereas I had two hits and a miss, and I got a score of positive 23. So call it close to 50 point difference. Yeah. Um, well, I hit I hit the no shoot on my first shot. Yeah. So whatever that was, and then minus got 12. Minus 12, and then got two direct hits, one after the other, and then ended up with negative two. Whereas you, you must have had two two no shoots and then two hits. No. I hit it twice and hit the target on the my very first shot yeah. was on the hostage yeah. and the other two were on thing and I ended up with negative two. It'd be minus eleven, minus ten for the oh sorry, plus eleven, plus ten for the second and third. Oh well, we scored it wrong then. We scored it wrong. <laughs> but, but I know so it's just because we were scoring yeah. like a group yeah. of gumbies as well. Yeah. yeah. Um but, yeah, but that that was the thing. There was a there were certain ones in there and yeah. was it I think you were shooting there. Yeah, there was that question. It's like, well, you're up ahead. Do you stop now? Do you do it? Yeah. And to be honest, I, I overly compensated on that last shot where I went over the top, yeah. going for a safe shot. Yeah. And and you know it's probably the better move anyway. Not that I purposely did it, but yeah. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, it did probably unfairly advantage me compared to other good shooters. But I really enjoyed it because that's when my rifle came into its own. Well, I guess that's the thing as well. Yeah, the six fires are the guys who are shooting the lighter stuff. They've got to compensate more. Trajectory's trajectory. That's that's style. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, wind certainly. There was a bit of wind out there, and it was sometimes bloody tricky to figure out what's going on. And but even the weather though. That, yeah. You know, when we started shooting that stage, it was absolutely pelting down. Now, yeah. Yeah. Just seeing the damn target through the scope became yeah. challenging because you know your your lens was covered in water. 
Is, is there a worse target question coming up? A worse stage? There is. Okay, cool. I'll wait for that. All right. And for, for the people that weren't there, the, 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 the setup, I reckon the, the hit target was probably 200 by 200. But it was at 580 odd meters, yeah. so it was it wasn't close then. If it had been 400 meters or something, it would have been less of a challenge. But yeah. also the range and the wind we were shooting over a multiple entry gully, so there was crosswinds and all sorts at that range. And then, as Bronte said, it was bucketing down. I got after I got up off the stage, I said to to Kerry and Jeff as I looked down my optic, and they're like, "Oh, I can't see anything." I said, "Oh well, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> no much joke. what I was doing." <laughs> But that, that was the interesting thing, and with, with the style of shooting you're doing, even because you're only putting a couple of shots off, it's not like you can sit there with a spotter and call and figure out your win. You're yeah. trying to figure it out before you pull that trigger the first time. Yeah. And anyone who's actually shot over a valley or multiple valleys or like the sea will realize that that is the, the black art of it, you know. So, but yeah, so that, that was good. And yes, that was that one that was pouring down on us as well. But even to touch back on your point, you know, bringing out the excuses for my poor performance on that stage. For, for myself, I'm used to using the wind for mirage because, you know, from Australia it's hot, there's always mirage. Fire. There's fire. fire. Everything was fire as we've established previously. Yeah. So when it's pelting down with rain, that sort of tool is taken away out of my arsenal. So now I'm kind of looking at trying to figure out from grass, which is just getting pelted. Yeah. And the rain direction is becoming the predominant indicator which doesn't necessarily pick up some of those subtleties no. of the different valleys so. yeah, you, you lose you can see the right what the rain's doing in front of you and a little bit further but then it yeah. gets lost in the haze you can't yeah. call wind or rain direction further down range you know five six hundred meters away you can't see what the rain's doing down there and also the, the property we're on which was a farm property there wasn't a huge amount of um Gorse or bushes or foliage. No, no, right. so that, that was the thing. Um, but you know, that's the wonders because that was another thing you said that it was you thought it was pretty much the first time you shot it in the field as well. Uh, in rain, sorry. Yeah, well, it doesn't rain very much in Australia, <laughs> as everyone liked to remind me. Um, but yeah, so for me, it was quite it was a good experience to, to shoot in sort of that heavy driving rain. But I haven't haven't really done that before. You know, light spitting a few odd showers, but not like it was actually bucketing down for a good sort of forty five minutes or so. Well, you know, when you get down there to the Taranaki, you know, the boys are basically saying it's not going to last like this. We got down yeah. there, good weather. We can see the, the mountain and everything. It's nice, like no. yeah, for a change. Yeah, yeah just, don't it's not going to happen. Not yeah. Great. It's like oh, I haven't seen that for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> False sense of security. So, Matt, do you have a favourite stage? I have two favorite stages, oh. or possibly even three, but one of them was Jeff's for the exact reason that Jeff says, so I won't go into that. The hostage stage, I really enjoyed that. Um, it's challenging. I'd like another go. Yeah. Yeah, I think I can improve, which is, I think I could have improved it on my performance the whole time, but yeah. you, you get that. I think it's normal, uh, isn't it? Yeah. I like the 10 meter stage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Basically, there was a, a paper target at 10 meter with a maybe four inch circle. Yeah. Three inch circle. Yeah, three inch. Yeah. And you had to run about five meters with ammunition in your hand. And then we worked out as a squad that the best way to do it was to single feed on top of an empty magazine instead of trying to load the mag and carry a rifle as you're running that five meters. Mm. But Simon suggested doing it the other way. But it worked. None of us, I don't think, ran out of time. So it worked fine. I would have liked more rounds on that stage and yeah. more time just because I found it really fun. I, I did run out of time, but that's because I forgot to put my empty mag in. Yeah, and I actually had to drop the rounds into the chamber. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. That, that's, that stage, like the first time I shot that stage, it was, I think, nearly the last stage that we shot at the end of it. Very wet and I was quite cold, so my fingers were getting you know, yeah. fiddly and it was just hard to manipulate, which was interesting. And then I think the next time I did it, it was like the first stage. So I dropped the first round and realized I didn't have a mag in the rifle at all, so the round yep. hit my boot, basically, and then I had to slap a mag in and then do that again. So this time I still didn't do well, but didn't yeah. have ever I had. Yeah. But one thing we all noticed is how quick, Bonte, you managed to get those rounds Holy crap. Off. Yeah. So, yeah. Which, which not, I, not that you necessarily were yeah. quite accurate for it, but... Oh, you, know, you can't miss, far, miss no, fast enough to win yeah. this. But you were feeding that rifle damn quick. So I forgot to ask, I was going to give you a sort of show or tell sometime. I thought, was there a, not a trick to it, what were you doing? You are just holding him, saving him, I was just loading the My, my theory was Australians aren't used to self-loading rifles. So 
<laughs> so he's got to learn like, to really quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my competition rifle single feeds horrendously badly. Okay. Um, so one of the tricks that I've found is I basically, when I'm, when I'm single feeding, to get that gun to single feed well, I have to try to flick that round as far back onto the bolt face. So it's basically okay. contacting the bolt face right off the bat. So then right, it essentially yeah. sits on top of the feed lips of the magazine and it feeds in straight. So essentially, yeah, just how you hold it in your hand. So you can kind of just curl your hand around off of the grip yeah. and, and cup it in yeah. basically. Is yeah. So I, I really like that stage just for the, you know, single loading under time duress. I thought that was quite good. Um, yeah. The close target which is quite interesting. We worked out, we all looked at our drop sheets and the dial for 10 meters was the same as my dial for 375 meters, which I thought was quite interesting. A lot of the guys, I suppose, if they weren't dialing in hunter class, they might have struggled, struggled with that. Yeah. It's probably a really good stage in the respect for testing your setup because a lot yeah. of people, they kind of get a ruler or a calipers and sort of eyeball it and go, oh, I think my scope height's about this. Yeah. But that shooting in that little yeah. close range is how you verify yeah. what your actual scope height is, and, and that's where I think a fair few people. Mm. I, I suspect the scope height that I run put into the calculator for the TAC A1 mm. wasn't right because yeah. both of our groups were in the same spot. Actually, yeah, but they were low. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I noticed. Yeah, I thought it was quite funny. My first two shots, I got in the target, mm. and then my bottom one was low. And then you watch everybody else's group, all four of you guys, your first one starts high and you got lower and lower. I think because we were standing freehand, offhand, unsupported, yeah, and we're all shooting heavier, rifles. heavier rifles. We weren't shooting hunting rifles. We we're shooting yeah, long-range precision rifles. The weight of the rifle after you're reloading when you're bringing it up, and you're getting conscious of time, you're probably squeezing it off a bit too fast, but you're not lifting it up as high as you would because they were getting heavy. And then my other favorite stage, everybody hated it, but I had a love-hate relationship with oh, don't it. Don't tell was, me it was frustration. Was frustration, <laughs> oh, no. the camo net. So basically, there's a camo net strung between four Waratahs, and I overheard Simon saying later in the day that when he strung the camo net up, it was tight. So it would have been about maybe 400 mil off the ground, and he oh, said he strung it up, it right. was tight. And then it bucketed down with rain and right. the camo net lost all its tension. So when we went to, got onto the stage, the camo net was actually sitting on the ground. Yeah. So there's a net ah. sitting on the ground. And then I watched, I had the advantage of going last, I think on that stage. Yeah. So I watched how not to do it with everybody else. Yeah. And there was everything from guns getting caught up to oh, hats, Terry's hats. And yeah, my number one problem, because I did the high bear crawl over the rifle, kept it between my legs. I crawl a bit, drag the muzzle forward, because I got the, I still had the bipod on, dragged it forward, I don't know, a meter. It was probably what, four meters long? About yeah, that. that. Yeah. yeah. That. Dragged it forward. Obviously muzzle forward of you. Yeah. yeah sh shuffling forward, shuffling forward. And then, yeah, my boots, the, um, the lace eyes, the hooks on the boots, God, I got, I got stuck, but luckily yeah. I just gave up because I was close enough to the front that I could carry on. But yeah. once I finished and got one of you guys to remove the rifle out the front, it took me about 30 seconds to untangle my boots. And I think you guys... Same thing, I got caught oh, yeah, up on yeah, the boots. Oh, yeah. boots got caught boots. Yeah. Yeah. You, It's a piece of equipment that you don't think would ever be an issue. Like when you're going into no. that, you think, oh, my bipod's going to get stuck, my muzzle, you know, maybe my scope or my dials or my jacket, if like maybe my buttons or my zip. I would have never thought, oh, my boots are going to get caught up in this camo net. So I actually really enjoyed it. I didn't, I didn't shoot too bad, I didn't shoot too, too good. I think I got well, maybe 50% give or take. There was a target at 400 on then a target out at 600. 600, yeah. So I think I got the close one two or three times or whatever it was. And it was then the far one, I think I only got one head out of whatever it was supposed to be. But yeah, I quite enjoyed it, even though it was really challenging. I enjoyed it, was. it. and that was that one I, I said I, I kind of got the close targets, went to go on the far target, and basically buried my pistol grip into the dirt. And went, well, this isn't going to work. No elevation. Like, yeah, I was yeah. out of elevation, and by the time my brain slowly clicked into which would have been seconds, I suppose. Then you kind of like right now, I need to get the bipod out. So you're trying to reach out under. And get yeah, well, I, I'd seen you guys have a meal with it before that, so I set my <laughs> set my bipod to be about two inches high. And I actually had my rear bag inside my jacket, right. like when I crawled in. Yeah. So, because I saw that you and I think, did you have a, you know, you were, were you fussing with, your, yeah, yeah. fussing with your bipod as well, maybe? Yeah. 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 So I saw, I was like, well, I've got to go in high, otherwise I'm not going to have the elevation to hit the far target. Yeah. So I just kept it stuffed inside my jacket under the zip and then had the bipod sort of set, which was 
kind of hard for my first target. I was floating off the, off the rear bag, just floating because it was too. That's, yeah, but it was closer, I so I could like, deal with it. It was a pain because the bipod essentially was too high for the close target and too low for the far yeah. target. So yeah. you, you sort of you struggle with the first target, thinking that oh, we are right for the second target, and then to get yeah. to the second target, oh, it was still too bloody low. Too low. So, so I had yeah. to still to, to yeah. adjust it, yeah. um, and I stuffed my first shot on the the long target, which was a bit disappointed on, but. Made yeah. up for my second one, but can we hit pause uh, for a bevy run? Sure. Yeah. Bevy run. So, uh, hang on. Where are we up to, Matt? All right. Favorite. Favorite. <laughs> Refocus. <laughs> Interlude. Interlude. It's over. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing? We're doing favorite stages. Have you done your second stage? Yeah, my net and my close stage. And then, yeah, right. So, so yeah. now we're on to least favorite stages. Oh, no, no, like oh wait, wait. When the coffee stops. Yeah. What was your favourite stage? Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait for the volcanic eruption. I thought yeah, I started go. by saying the A-frame was the favourite stage. Oh. Oh, that was yeah. the one I warmed up on. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fair yeah. 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 so, so, yeah. Well, now I'm going to figure out, now the opposite is true. It's something coffee at yeah. What is actually... Yeah. I'm I don't know if it, see, Simon's not, Simon's not, Simon's not, Simon's not, Simon's not, Simon's not, Hey, Simon, the state, no, yeah. I, I don't think it was a stage that sucked, I'm just trying to think, I mean, there was a few stages, like, like, for me, the, the tyre stage, for yeah. example, which, the, there was a few stages where I just shot, and afterwards it went, well, I could have done that better, Yeah. and it was because, that was every stage, yeah, well, exactly, so, but the tyre stage is one, I think, with the bipods, are, I'm trying to remember, I think I got a bipod hung up on something and got something stuck. Yeah, transitioning between uh, positions. Yeah, I mean, that was that was the one. Well, the only other one that was the funny one, which is something else I commented on, was the one where I had the, I thought it was a hang fire or a misfire. Mm. And then uh, I, I landed did, in your lap? And landed in my lap. <laughs> and that, that, that nearly sucked because if it had been a hang fire and I just emptied the round out, not, you know, on a range, you know, yeah. sit there for 20, 30 seconds, Whatever reason, I'm just like walled out. I think landed on my lap. You can't do that under time no. limit. No, and I was glad that one wasn't a hang for and didn't go off. But yeah. But then again, different disciplines have different reactions to that kind of stuff. If yeah. you're shooting a service rifle, they're like just rack tap and go. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're shooting at an NZDA range, you're like, cool, just wait there, stick your hand up, get the range up, and no go issue. over. That's yeah. it. And I mean, we're not we're not shooting military we're not shooting we're not in a firefight or anything like that but I imagine those guys are not sitting there for 30 seconds waiting for a hang fire yeah. to potentially go off so but yeah, yeah so they're, they're, like they're not so even they're, diagnosing their stoppage no, they're just they're, if they are waiting they're probably gonna get a hang fire because it'll cook off in the barrel that's anyway that's yeah. But, yeah. but anyway so that, that was I suppose the closest to a suck because it was just there was a moment where I was like well that maybe wasn't the smartest and then the only other thing which so I'm avoiding the question. It was not a stage. It was just those those things with the trigger where I found the trigger was a bit lighter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the one the one stage I thought that yeah, there was no stage where I didn't like the stage. Yeah. Would basically be I suppose my answer with it. Apart from that tire one where I just got stuff hung up on. Yeah. Um, it was good watching because you shot that one first, I think, and it was really interesting because I didn't know whether on that low. The low spot, so the, the tire stage is basically three tires stacked on top of each other. One, two, three, and I wasn't quite sure whether you were going to get under that that middle tire on that bipod. Mm. I used the bag. Yeah, but but watching it, you did. So I was like, oh, well, that's cool. Because yeah. I remember shooting that stage previously, and you just like, I don't know, because you're not doing a walkthrough on the stages. You don't quite know if the space is going to be big right. enough to fit your rifle physically into. Yeah, and, and I think and get a good sight picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's always the trick. Because I noticed on the on that stage as well, with in the middle, you there's a photo where you're basically yeah, resting it on. Oh yeah, yeah, on a on a palm. Yeah. yeah. So you're resting it on the suppressor or the barrel. Because I'm picking if you'd gone any further in or higher in, you wouldn't have actually seen, seen anything. anything. Yeah. So yeah, that that's probably the stage from my perspective, the one that I. It wasn't a bad stage, it was actually a really good stage. I just did terribly at it. I just I walked away from that stage going, Yeah, no, I absolutely made a hash of that. Yeah. And I'd really love to reshoot that because I know what I'd do differently next time. And it's one of those things it's a good stage, but you still shake your head and go, You idiot, what were you thinking? Yeah. So would that be your worst stage, do you reckon? Yeah, and the hostage stage where oh I didn't do very well at the hostage stage, which was more it was actually probably the three stages that I 
didn't do great at would be the um, the test your limits one. Yeah. I'd, one of those things, I was using a rifle and I'm not feeling overly familiar with. I think that was the first stage we shot for the day. Yeah, we were all consistently stuck on that one. We did, yeah. we yeah. did. But I think my first stage on that, that um, my first round on that stage was the fifth round I fired through that gun, full yeah. stop. Yeah. Um, so a stage like that is a stage that I'd normally feel that I should do pretty pretty consistently well at. But yeah, it was not very familiar with the gun. And the same with sort of the hostage stage. I just didn't. Well, know those, my dopes well those, enough on that rifle to, to feel confident stages. making those shots. We shot all of those in the rain, I think, as well. We did a bucketing yeah, rain. Absolutely. Or just rain, like yeah. heavy rain. Yeah, for sure. And well, that's the whole thing. It's not like no one packed up and went home, but I can imagine the day of that would be a very different memory yeah. of the thing. I mean, I've done it. We've had it on a, one of our events. Yeah. Well, and, and to everyone's credit, everyone basically yeah. pushes yeah. on through and shoots the thing, but. There's no denying that if it's, it's not sucked. bucketing down on you, you can have a yeah, it be, yeah. You wouldn't be used to it because you're either dry or fire. Yeah. But it was raining so much on one so of my that was rain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had no, to stop that, yeah. every 15, 20 minutes and empty my gum boots out because they were full over my ankle with water that had yeah, run wow. down over my jacket, down my legs, and into my boots. So, so for everyone listening, we've, we've been trying to explain to Bronte the entire time <laughs> that. Rain is water that comes from the sky and sometimes fills up your gumboots. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that the grass isn't supposed to be brown? No. It's actually supposed to be green. That's an after effect of the rain. Yeah. 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 And yeah. apparently, not all animals are trying to kill you either. They no. might be amazing to you, but yes. Yeah. 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 Very different than what I'm used to. Yeah. So I remember you got a spider on you and you're like, ah, oh, there's a spider on me. You're like, don't worry about it. It won't kill me. I'm like, well, all spiders are poisonous, aren't they? <laughs> So you, you live through your trip down Yeah, survive, well. survive New Zealand remarkably. Yeah, I know. So my worst stage would have been the tyres as well. Um, and it was it was during... So there's probably like a 45-minute period of like heavy, heavy downfall. And regardless of which stage you're on, that was going to screw you over on that True. stage. So everyone got disadvantaged to some or other degree. Um, where So we're on the tyres... And obviously the higher positions on the tires are less stable, the lower positions more stable. And everyone in our crew shot the, so I shot last. Um, you guys were all shooting the long range targets, uh, like long range, not long range, but like 400 meters or whatever, from the more stable positions first. So I thought, well, I'm gonna try something different. <laughs> and I'm gonna engage this like 200 meter target at a fairly steep angle, but anyway, 200 meter target off the least stable positions yeah. to give myself more time to get into the steady positions to go long range. Because um, although you guys obviously got the system hits, you ran out of time. So I yeah. thought I'd try from the other way. Um, and it just did not did pan not out. I, I got stuck on my second position on the tires. I think maybe I one hit in the entire stage. Um, my scope was fogging up, obviously not internally, but externally. Yeah. Um, full of rain and I, I had the bright idea literally bright idea that I'm going to turn the illumination on on my reticle uh, to deal with the low light conditions. Welcome to flare. Yeah, and just everything flared bright orange, the same colour as the target. Yeah. It was absolutely fantastic shooting off this unstable top tyre um, and I just never got off it. Expended so many rounds chasing this 200 metre target. It was such a waste of time. Um, cargo net frustration. Absolutely hated it, but that I just hated my planning and execution more. So that to me was the more frustrating stage. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. My, my worst stage, not from stage design or anything else, all the other stages, I didn't do the best on, I didn't do the worst on, didn't come first, didn't come last. And so all of those I feel I could improve on. The stages were great, was the A frame, and that was from my understanding of the wording of the stage like we had a few where we debated between each other's how it could be worded and like we were and you also went first on that stage i did go first which was a slight disadvantage to that but i should have understood it better before i went into the stage and i kind of went in it was towards the end of the day i think i, I don't know about everybody else yeah. I, don't, I don't know about everybody else but i was starting to get tired yeah, yeah for sure and my brains perhaps you know i hadn't really eaten but again my fault but I think I didn't quite under I, I didn't understand it how it was supposed to be shot, and I got 
five, my first shot started to move and everyone's behind me going, oh, no, no, you don't have to move. And I was like, well, I, that's how I understood it. And by the time we bickered for 10 seconds because I was, you know, I went back down and then that just totally threw me off. Because yeah. yeah. when I went, I went back afterwards to shoot it again off, off the scoreboard just because I knew, I thought I could do better and I probably got about 75%. But... Yeah, that was I, the. I think that was it. It was a. It was a thing of yeah, not not quite sure of the plan going into it. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have helped with us all going. What? Don't go that way. Do it this yeah. way. Yeah. And that was that thing. You'd, you'd have, I think it'd been better to go. Well, I'm gonna do it one way or the other way. You yeah. guys can shut the fuck up. I'm I think if I'd have, if yeah. no one had said anything and just got to the end and said, oh well, you shot that wrong, but. Yeah. Because I'd have actually made it harder than it was supposed to be. Yeah. If no one would have corrected me, I feel as though I potentially would have done better. <laughs> but that's no, you know, that's neither here or there. That was me not understanding. But then this was a kind of Simon sort of admitted it, but it's slight criticism of the event overall. But without saying it was bad, it's still great. The score balancing that one was worth. I don't know, maybe 65 points that whole stage. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a blowout and I only got maybe 10. So I was straight 55 points behind all the uh, you You cleared that stage. Yeah. I was straight 55 points behind you. Whereas other stages, I got three or four hits more than you on the stages. Yeah. But they might have only been worth five points a hit. So well, you're yeah. only 15 points ahead. But yeah. Simon did admittedly in his end of brief, he's like, I need to work on the bouncing a little, but he didn't have time, which I can totally understand and respect because that, yeah. when we've hosted our events, and actually, you know, when it's not your job, it's yeah. almost yeah. is a job. So yeah, it's, sure, it's, sure. Very, it's very hard work. But that was just, that's what I think me and you would have been very, very close in score if it, for if it wasn't for that stage. Yeah. But it was such a high value stage and I had such a massive blowout that it really put me put me back. Yeah. But that's the opposite that, that example what of what I was saying with the hostage stage where I had the exact opposite experience. Yeah. Take those two stages and that would have been neck and neck. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. But it, it was even for everybody, though, so you can't really complain. I just shot it shit. And yeah. that's, that's why it occurred to me on that. When you, I mean, you'd reshot it anyway, but that's why I didn't tell you until after you finished to swap your knees around. Because I was yep. like, well, it's not going to really help him if I tell him halfway through, like, man, swap your knees, change your knees around, get more stable. Fair enough. Yep. So it's all right, we'll wait, we'll do it, then, then it's all right, dude, swap. And I remember one of my first shoots with Simon, he did the same thing, he waited on the tank track. Yeah. Till I'd shot it and then said, and he came up to me and said, okay, you shot it now, would you like me to suggest mm, an alternative? Yeah. I, think, I think when the shooter is on the shooting line, shooting under the time limit, it's not the place to correct them on anything. No, yeah. if nothing they, if they're shooting the safety issues. Safety, obviously. obviously. Yeah. But if they're shooting the state course of fire wrong, yeah. it's on them. If they get yeah. to the end and you go, well, you actually shot that wrong, so that's a zero, just leave them to it. Because they're probably mm. going to get a zero anyway if you start going, oh, yeah. no, blah, 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 don't do it like this, yeah, do it yeah. like In the middle of the course of fire, they're going to have they're going to have a blast anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Call so, safety, call corrections yeah, if you're in that absolutely. kind of crew, yep. that's it. But well, we've had it on ours. Like, if I've got to the end, I've had people in the squad and they've shot it completely wrong. You go, well, you know, at the start, I said, do you understand the course of fire? And you said, yes. Well, you didn't. So that's a, that's a zero. That's a zero. And at the end of the day, it is. Anybody who's not, you know, who's onto what they're doing, if they go, oh, well, shit, actually, yeah, I did it wrong, they're going to be like, okay. But you learn from that, though. Yeah, exactly. So that was the thing. And it was interesting with that frame, like with that stage and then the. There was another oh the uh, tank trap as well because I think we've shot a few times with Simon we pretty much expected him to get us to shift every single time yeah. because yeah. he does that yeah. and it was interesting and I spoke to him about it and he's like well no I, that was not the intent on the eight not within that the tank time trap, limit. yeah it was just like choose those just a slight difference so that was almost us also tripping ourselves over because we, yeah. we, we were making it harder than it had to be yeah. we, we weren't cheating our, to make it easier we were no, making it harder we had this idea that no Simon probably wanted us to do this because that would be the way but even he said no that's not what I was intending on that particular day so yeah the, and most of the time it came down to if you read the course description like black and white that is exactly what he intended yeah, yeah. we interpreted probably a bit too much yeah, yeah. Mind you, and especially for us having put our own events on, where you're trying to figure that out as well, it's another yeah. just reading. Because I know when we try to do our events, we'll shoot it, reword it, shoot it, get somebody else completely blank to come in and go, well, how do you interpret this? Or I do anyway, I run yeah. the past Renee and all that stuff. Yeah. How, how do you do that? Yeah. Because I don't know, it, it's good to have on some stages have the shooter be able to interpret it how they want within the rules and shoot it how they want, but on other stages, I think it's better for it to be black and white. Yeah. That way there's no, oh, well, you scored zero because you didn't quite understand what you were supposed to be doing. Yeah. 
Yeah. But it, it's a it's a it's a balancing act, you know, because yeah. you don't want to constrict the shooter to only do this is exactly what you do. You no. want people to be able to sort of game it and take advantage and think about oh well, you know, if I do like this, I'm just mm. going to be way better, and then someone else will just see it. Like yeah. some of this, we all did it on other stage, and like oh, well, that's definitely better than the way I did it, for sure. Or yeah. vice versa. I think like a perfect example of that was the with the A frame. Yeah. You know, if you set yourself up in your first shot, you can basically use that back as a, a rear support. So you, you've now got two really solid points of contact. Yeah. And you can rattle those off nice and quick, nice and accurate. And then once you climb inside the A frame, just push back, like jam yourself back. And that you basically become part of the A frame. And that really helped the whole stability of that structure. That's, that's why it's really yeah. important to rotate um, if you're in a competitive shooting environment to rotate who yeah. goes first. That's what I was about to can. say because the yeah. person that goes last can see what worked, what didn't work, and then take advantage of that. But yes. then we, ro- yeah, we do rotate it, so that's the point. But if you go first, I think on a lot of say you're definitely at disadvantage. But then it rotates, so yeah, it's one of those things. I think the amount of advantage increases and decreases based on the experience of the shooter. If you're a new shooter that's never shot off a tank track before, it doesn't matter. You know, whether you go first or last, if you've never yeah. shot off that before, going last is definitely going to help you, but it's not going to turn you into superstar. Well, so I think we, we all did all right because we've all shot off tank tracks before. Yeah, for sure. You so, know, you've shot tank tracks before, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm just annoyed at the blue paint, paint on the edge of my scope, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't have taken it out of the safe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I, I quite like when you're setting up squads to have a blend of the sort of more experienced shooters yeah. blended with some of the less experienced guys because it really yeah. gives those newer guys a great opportunity to, to see how somebody else does it. Yeah. And just because it works for somebody else doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. Also, keeps your event flying at a good even pace. It as does well. too. Well, that was the thing, and we were weird, and I have to thank Simon for kind of in some ways. Accommodating us, squad together yeah. because we did have the squad with guy, four guys shooting open, so we all had a higher round count than anybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like I said, to him, so the, the flip side was being is like we just we've got to keep it moving, got to keep it moving. Because yeah. um, I'm like I say, I'm pretty sure we were the last off, but I don't we were, think yeah. we were a long way off. We were the last off the mountain, from what I can understand. Yeah. But time-wise, we were basically day on. It's a hell. <laughs> By Australian standard, it's a, a freaking mountain. It's a <laughs> we got. Halfway, I had to walk up it. I couldn't drive up we it. Got it's half, a mountain. Halfway climbing up the hill on the way on the way into a van, uh, Bronte was next to me. Shit, this is a big hill. <laughs> and I was like, "What? The one over there?" And he's like, "No, no, the one we're walking up." I was like. It was steep, man. No, it's bloody not. Like, there's nothing, mate. And then you got to the other side, and you're like, I was like, oh, that's steep. And you're like, oh, shit, I wouldn't even walk up. No, no, no. Go Helicopter for that one. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, overall, as there always are, the shoots are always good. There's always, you know, like I say, there's not really bad stages. It's more just a case of whether you're shopping well or not. Yeah, and whether you sucked or not. Yeah. yeah, and I think the big thing is it'd be awesome to be able to go back and reshoot a lot of those things. But it's just the nature of it that it's not set up. there. Hans got to got to thank Hans and the family for absolutely for helping out. That property is beautiful as well. Yeah, absolutely just, stunning uh, place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he does it once a year. Has it all up there. Simon said, and I'll just say it. He, he picked up a few little bits of rubbish and bits and pieces while he was up there. But what I think it was because I picked up I picked up a Nikon scope cap. If anyone listening is missing a Nikon scope cap. And that was the second set of scope caps I picked up on the day. So what I think of more is, is those guys are moving around. You're just accidentally dropping stuff. I yeah. like the thing no one has just dumped some rubbish up. No, there. I don't yeah. think anybody would. Yeah. And yeah. I don't. Simon said it was just bits. Of, it wasn't a major anyway. And the wind so. was howling, so if your bag's slightly open, you got a muesli bar wrapper in there. It could oh, easily blow away. Yeah. 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 So I think that's quite good, but yeah, we're, we're very lucky for Hans to let us use that, and then all the other people who are sick. Because this is the thing. It's, it's easy to think that Simon, and it's easy to think someone's like, well, I do a precision shooter that we're one person, but there's, I'm very aware there's a group of guys around me, there's a group of guys around Simon, so yeah. they're there to help out. Um, I know his old man, Malcolm, is always there helping out, setting up, and there's, there's a group of guys breaking everything down. Yeah, yeah probably doing the barbecue. Was shooting the last <laughs> Yeah. yeah. There's a crew doing the barbecue. Yeah. Great yep. thanks to them. Yeah. I didn't get food poisoning. Sounds excellent. Yeah, no one yeah. died, so yeah. that was a bonus. So, um, yeah, it was good. Um, uh, I mean, there's a pile more questions, but we don't need to drag on too much about it. But, um, I mean, is there anything major you would change, I suppose, in a little gear, gear-wise? 
for the next shoot? Well, basically, what worked well, what didn't work well, what would you... Bronte would probably like a firearm he'd shot before would probably oh, be a, I, having, an advantage. Having my own rifle yeah. that I'm familiar with, with, you know, not... Mind you, saying that the Take one is... is bloody an accurate white rifle and a beautiful rifle to shoot. Yeah. So it's not like I was disadvantaged with the equipment, but I was, you know, having a rifle I was familiar with, you know, having my, my Kestrel and my rangefinder that I'm used to using, just out of purely out of habit, I range every target before I shoot yeah. them. Um, and then it's really just sort of, when it comes to that, you know, familiarity with my equipment, yeah. I know my load, I know my drops are absolutely bang yeah. on. So, you know, you talk about the, the test your limits target, I know in a vertical sense, at that known range, I will be within my my bullet, me doing my part, will be within that vertical yeah, vertical spread, spread yeah. of the smallest target. Now wind, hey, that's yep. uh, that's always the variable, that's what you nine out of ten times you miss because of. But just for having that little bit more confidence. Yeah. Because you know, I'm pulling the trigger on a gun that I'm not familiar with, I don't really know the drop data. I think it should be about that. Yeah, it should go there, but you don't have that sort of certainty, yep. which is something that I've sort of become quite spoiled with, really, because I've, I've sort of got my equipment set up and I've got my load down right, my yeah. SDs and all that are real tight. So. And that was something I said to Simon about, you know, there was a, those comments that came up online about the guys changing all the gear before going down there and the ability to do it. And it's, um, you know, like we discussed before we started recording, the, the reality is for a lot of guys, they're not able to get out there and yeah. shoot as much. So that the, the training session in some ways is a competition because that's one of the few times I get to do anything other than a 100 meter prone. So, you know, that's the thing. But that's just that's New Zealand as it develops and gets more shoots and stuff going. So, yeah, it's cool. That's yeah. I, for me, in terms of equipment, like, I was really fortunate in that like, I had that exact same situation. I'd, I'd once before shot this rifle up past 100 meters uh, with a different load. So the week before this competition, I settled on a load. I chronoed it. The night before at Graham's place, yep. managed to do my last minute zero adjustments, couple of clicks, and then I got three shots on at 500. Well, took three shots. First one was a miss, got my next two, and I had my drop verified. Yep. And I was just lucky in that like, I changed scopes, got a new load, everything. Everything kind of worked out, and I was really, really fortunate. Yeah. Um, so in that way, like much more fortunate than most competitions. Um, but where I think I could have improved is, yeah, yes, my my rifle was accurate, my my load was fantastic, the caliber choice was really good at cheating the wind and really set up. But um, my feeding and extraction was not good, yeah. and that came down to either we we're discussing before tonight either the uh, extractor or the ejector spring, or maybe a bit of gunking up on the ejector spring. Um, and then also the, the mag lips on my AI mags like not feeding perfectly. Yeah. Um, so I know I lost seconds on every single stage. Because you were watching, you were watching exactly. trying to get those. I was lifting my head up on every single round. I was pulling things out manually, hand loading. And yeah, it was a bit of a shambles, but I was happy with how my rifle shot overall. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you have feeding issues, feeding issues is just one of these things that just stuff you up for a competition because if you're, as soon as you're distracted by that, you've taken your focus off looking at a yep. site, you've lost your cheap world, and it's, once you have a rifle that feeds well and comfortable, it just makes life so much yep. nicer. That's it, and points. like almost everyone would have said, I wish I practiced more on that, 100%, like, especially for us orphan shooters, we wish we could have practiced more, but this is something I could have fixed at the gun bench. Yeah. Like if yeah. I had enough time with this rifle, I would have perfected it, made sure it fed properly, and that would have saved me measurable seconds on every stage. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar problem, but probably maybe not quite to the extent you had. I had one stage where it just had a mirror yeah. and fed the, the back of the case slip onto the back of the magazine. So no matter how hard I was smashing that bolt forward, it was never going to go in. Yeah, think so of like that, a 303 rim jam, yeah. kind of like that. So yeah, it got. I think what had happened is it popped up too far out of the feed lips when I was ejecting the previous round. So, and then the bolt had maybe caught on the top or persuaded it backwards, just to the point where when it popped back up, when the bolt was open, it grabbed on the back of the lip. But again, for what you said earlier, people setting up before the shoot, the, the night before I fired 
about 15 rounds before the arrival, and that was the first time I'd ever used that mag and that chassis, which is, in hindsight, is stupid. But that is what it that is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Again, you're I, fortunate it yeah. ran so well for most of the stages. Yeah, it didn't run badly. I had maybe I had one stage on the tires where it had a complete blowout, and I yeah. had that rim jam, and then I had a couple of others. I had one where I think I short stroked it, and then I had one fail to feed where it just stayed down, and I just tapped the mag and cycled it, and it went sweet. But these are all things that you can only tune out with more rounds down range. You can't yeah. sit there. Well, that, that's the thing. We don't, I mean, at the moment, we don't have the, like a lot of lot of clubs or Australia, I imagine the same thing, is you have your monthly competitions and then you have this, you call it a regional, you call it it's a once yearly competition. So they're, they're, yeah, generally guys have got slightly less pressure or less time or stuff, just a regular yeah. monthly shoot to work all the stuff out. And then when they're going for the once a year shoot, normally that's all ironed out already yeah. for them. And I would have liked, it's going to sound, everyone's going to listen to this and think, oh, these guys are just making excuses about doing shit. And I will admit that 95% of my poor performance was me not having enough trigger time behind that rifle. And then yeah. stage planning, there was a few yeah. stages, like you said earlier, Bronte, you look at it and afterwards you're like, why the hell did I do that? Why didn't yeah, I just sure. do what Kerry was doing? Or why didn't yeah. I just do what Jeff doing? That's so much easier. But that's part of doing a practical rifle shoot. Yeah. And then it all comes down to, to practice. And then these guys that shoot a lot all the time, you know, the people that are sort of winning it, they're not going out and shooting once a month or no. once, once every two months. They're going out and they're shooting probably once a week. Yeah. Or they might have shot the same rifle for the last 10 years. They know that it's going to be flawless. They know where it's going to hit at whatever range. And it almost becomes muscle memory and second nature. For sure. But obviously, I'd like to get to that stage. But, you know, all you can do is shoot more, I guess, at the end of the day. Mm. So, Bronte, what was it like shooting a suppressed firearm? Oh, I almost don't want to talk about it, to be honest, because <laughs> it just makes me depressed that we uh, uh, they're not as available or essentially available in, a, in Australia. It's it's crazy. Um, it's one of those things, and I guess there's a lot of misconceptions around it, yeah. um, whether you know, it's silent, blah, blah, blah. You, people watch too many Hollywood movies. Yeah, it's not a mouse fart. Nah, it's just it's one of those things that just makes the whole shooting experience far more enjoyable and far more pleasant for everyone around it. You know, it's less disruptive for the neighbours. I mean, it's it's a lot more sociable. Yeah. Um, you, know, you still want to wear your hearing protection because it's still loud, but it just takes that edge off. You know, I guess for the competition, as we had a couple unsociable people with us, we had one guy running the brake and one yeah, guy running the muzzle brake, no friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had to be a everybody's always back. There's always one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's um, it was a very enjoyable experience. For sure. You really know on like the stage of the tires where there was just oh, yeah. going everywhere. Oh, that sure. wasn't nice. I, I once I got <laughs> once I was in the bottom of those tires where the tires were tied around my head, yeah. and I fired the first shot, got a hit. Fired a second shot, missed, and fired the last shot again and got a hit. I was like, oh, thank God for that. Because even with ear protection on, like it wasn't loud, but the, the blast hitting yeah, you in the face, yeah, I thought, like, oh, this yeah. is like, But then on other stages where the muzzle's open, the rifle doesn't move bad. when I pull the trigger. So it's a, it's a trade off. So the last port on your muzzle um, is angled back, right? All of the muzzles yeah. angled. But so, they're angled back at a degree that's yeah. supposed to not get it to the shooter. Supposedly, yeah. So that's something I, I want to play with, and uh, I've got something coming in soon, where I want to get um, the last port of the muzzle brake pointing 90 degrees. Which... 90 degrees sucks, I have a 90 degree brake. Yeah? Yeah. So the other... is, is that all of, all of the ports, or just the last one? All of them. Okay. But yeah, so... it just kind of like hits the ports of the brake and just goes straight back at you. So the one I'm looking at is like two or three going back, like yeah. the normal muzzle brake, and then the last port before the shooter going 90 degrees. So the first port that takes the yeah, most blast. Yeah, first port. From, yeah. yeah, but it's, it's one of those things that, as Matt just said, it's the first ones that do the most work. <laughs> so it's sort of you by taking the having the first one at ninety degrees, you are just pure physics alone. You are diminishing the, that muzzle yeah, brake. Yeah, the, 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 the efficacy of the muzzle brake is not going to be as much. But the report back to the shooter should yeah. theoretically be less. Be better. Yeah. You should yeah. put that on a rifle before you do the next shoot. Yeah, the day, the well, night day before. before. Yeah, definitely the day before. Uh, you, I also you're have a night off. You're joking, the, but the probably, yeah, but probably it'll yeah. go on my AR, and probably before the next like CNIGC shoot or something, <laughs> it'll go on. Yeah, and I'll maybe check my zero, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Let us know how you get on. Yeah. yeah. All right, lads. Uh, anything else to add? No, no. Other than that, it was an awesome experience from a foreigner coming 
over here. It was uh, the hospitality of the guys down there was absolutely awesome, especially Graham for putting us up for the night. Yeah, thanks, Graham. Um, obviously, yeah, Kerry, Matt, and uh, Jeff for dragging me along with them down there. It was, it was more fantastic. than welcome, and I, I say it dangerously, I guess. But if there's any other lads heading over the ditch, please get in touch because dangerous indeed. Dangerous indeed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we can find out. We don't, um, there's shoots going on a lot. We can generally get people out somebody to have a shoot. Yeah, no, I guess kind of, yeah, pretty much along the similar lines, Bronte, just like massive thanks. So like, there's not often opportunities to get out. Like, literally, this is my first Centrifire practical competition. Mm. And the main reason being there's just not that many of them around. Rolls, rolls around a couple times a year uh, for myself. I'm, I'm pretty busy with work and family um, so the chance to get out there is not very often yeah. um, and I know the guys putting in that amount of effort it's a huge deal same for you guys putting in your 22 shoots it just doesn't come around that often so like really extremely thankful to, to Simon uh, to Graham for hosting us but also all the guys that help pack up barbecue etc as we mentioned before just yeah fantastic day like if even if I wasn't shooting, like you mentioned, like, you know, you just love to be there with the camera yeah. and like just absorb the atmosphere of it. It was awesome to get a bunch of like-minded individuals in the same space and put them under competitive conditions to see how they go. It's a bit of a social experiment, but it was awesome. Yeah. It's one of those things though, that obviously shooters by nature are competitive, but everybody's, you know, thinks they always, everyone, every time they pull the trigger, they think it's going to hit, you know, but... Oh, I don't know, did you, did you see me swearing? Oh, I swore <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but from my observation, all the guys were just so friendly and they all, you know, they were they wanted to do well, they wanted to shoot well, but it wasn't at somebody else's disadvantage. Yeah, yeah, it was, sure. you know, if they shot well, they were happy. If, if the guy they were shooting with shot well, they were the first ones to say, oh, well shot, mate, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and Or someone didn't do so well, you say, shake it off you know here's some things you can think about for next time yeah and it was a really supportive um, environment you got you know, people that would probably not have a huge amount to do with each other in their day-to-day work you know you got all, all walks of life all come out enjoy the beautiful countryside beautiful fresh air and and share common interests it's interesting now as well you you always meet some new people but you also start running into some of the people that you've seen before and only seen at these shooting comps last yeah. year as well so but you can catch up pretty quickly and have those conversations for sure so and i have to actually i have to apologize to everyone who knows me from my facebook page who introduced themselves who i did not recognize <laughs> You'll get used to that. I'll, I'll get used to it. You'll I'll get used to it. Well, no, she won't get used yeah. to it, but it will happen more yeah. and more. I can tell but you. no, you're hundred percent right. Like for us, we, we call ourselves team consistency because we all helped each other along, and we all kind of ended up with very similar scores on most stages. And the the top scoring crew, like they also had all very similar scores, and they were all like top placing in, in their divisions or near top placing. So. It came very much down to, even though we're all competing, it was teamwork as well. Yeah. And that, I think that's a testament to the kind of competitive environment that we've slowly cultivated yeah. here. And I think uh, I think it's safe to say the majority of the people just the our shirts went completely over their heads. Yeah, oh, they were covered up by rain jackets for three quarters of the day. I get it, but at that after event, I saw a lot of people looking at their shirts trying to figure out: serious, not serious? Yeah, mm, definitely not serious, lads. If you're wondering, they were definitely not serious. <laughs> the sponsor should have gave that away. The sponsor might have given away, but somebody did ask me, like, "You guys actually sponsored by a suppository company?" I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Actually, I think the dude at the petrol station was more interested in our shirts than anyone at the shoot, which is a little bit worrying, but anyway. Okay. Matt, you think Ed? Um, I think everybody just pretty much covered it, thanks to everyone involved, other than us. Thanks for you, Kerry, driving down. Yeah, Absolutely. that was Solid great. Um, Graham for putting us up. Graham's wife, I assume, partner for tolerating us being drunk at one o'clock in the morning the day before the shoot. Um, <laughs> good, good luck with the pregnancy. Yeah, yeah, good with being eight and a half months pregnant with a yeah. bunch of random Yahoo's people, people at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yep. Um, Simon, everybody involved in that, and basically that whole shoot just showed to me how it showed me a lot of things I was doing wrong and areas I need to improve. And it's just I can just everybody I think can work on it now. No one's perfect, you know. Yeah. No one got a hundred percent. So I think everybody probably came away with. Aspects that they can work on, and yeah, oh, next I'm time. I'm perfect. I was taking a break. 
Right. <laughs> Goes with your dashing yeah. good looks. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think everybody can. I'm looking forward to next time and hopefully yeah. do better, not worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully yeah. Not the hours. All good. All right. Thank you guys. Um, yeah. Catch up with you next time. See ya. Cheers. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Trigonometry Podcast. Please make sure you visit our site at precisionshooter.info where you'll find show notes, additional links, and a pile of extra information, including competitions and updates on events near you. While you're there, pop over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, where you'll see regular updates on the goings-on in the precision shooting community in New Zealand. The way that this show grows is through people like you, so please, share on Facebook, and if you know someone who's into shooting and may be interested in checking this out, Flick them over a link. And if you're listening to this through a podcast aggregator or some form of app, make sure you leave us a review. It really makes a difference. Thanks again to the Gear Locker and all our additional supporters. And most importantly, thank you, the listener. Without you guys, none of this could happen. Talk soon, but for now, go have a shoot. <laughs>